0: Sarah and davis share for each other
1: we're going to be so happy we'll be so happy i'm gonna crush it at being a husband i really hope she looks like her picture pete says she has a good personality that's a red flag davis <laughs> whoa that is one beautiful personality Cutie alert. Thank, Thank you, Pete. Pete. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, uh, oh. I got you a latte. Oh. I hope you like it. <laughs> Thanks, latte. <laughs> Why did I just say that? <laughs> Quick, say something. Oh, yeah, that's dairy. Probably shouldn't immediately correct him. T- uh, so do you... sports? Failure. Yeah, I love golf. What? No, I don't. I hate golf. Uh, me too, yes. I love with the chipping and the putting birdies. Nope, tweet, tweet. <laughs> Get a hold of yourself. Um, so what are you looking for in, in a relationship? Oh my gosh, I'm gonna die alone. Uh, oh. Um, you know, it's, an uh, um. Someone just like me. Someone who's just kind of their own person. Someone pretty adventurous. Someone who likes to stay at home. Someone who'll just listen to me. Someone who doesn't talk too much. Someone who isn't intimidated by how much money I make. Somebody who doesn't mind how little money I make. He looks like a good dad. Hope she doesn't want kids, like, soon. Um, you know, it's, a uh, like another person. Oh, that's me. I mean, me too. <laughs> 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 I think I love her. Yeah. Wow, time flew by. <laughs> it's over? Think fast. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, you gotta, uh, do you want me to huh? maybe... Should I give her a hug? Is that weird? No. Okay. No, kiss. H- okay. No, wait. Oh, my gosh. What do I do? Uh, this is great. What is happening? Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He smells good. good. Well, i just see you. Well, you messed that up. It's okay. We'll crush our second
0: date. For those of us uh, who have already been through that time, we are very happy. For those of you who um, still hope to someday find Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright or somebody, you know, that's what it is expectations, and uh, no matter where you're at, as we look at this uh, sermon today and really next week, you can't separate both sermons, okay, so if you just look at this sermon and don't listen to next sermon, you're going to walk away with half the story, so remember that, but as we look at this series, Can't Touch This, we're talking about some of the subjects that sometimes in culture, uh, sometimes just because they're uncomfortable, we, we don't really talk about we're finding that the scriptures uh, really do speak to us and speak to our hearts and give us information, give us a process. Sometimes we have to think about it a little bit. It's not just like that. But if you and I bring the options in our life uh, that, that uh, we're wrestling with and we take some time, we can come to some conclusions. Um, in your program, you're going to find uh, a little uh, option matrix card And uh, this is uh, something Megan put together for you, so you can appreciate uh, her for doing that. And uh, she put this together so you can have this on your refrigerator or whatever. It's got the matrix on the front and then some of the definitions on the back, just to make that a little bit more helpful. I believe that also will be on our website. And uh, so that's there for you. That's available. So please uh, take uh, note of that. We're just trying. So, anyway, so this sermon is really two parts. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see what Paul says about when it comes to relationships. And there's one real negative word that's out there. And it's been misused, uh, misunderstood, and that is the word submission. And you still came up, came to church today to hear about that. Some of you are aware of that. And, you know, so we can go from what we just saw in that the opening clip. And we can have expectations, and we're not clearly communicating. We saw a little bit about that last week. And so then when we don't clarify expectations and we don't understand roles and where we're going, not that we have it all figured out, but uh, when we don't have that all put together, this is what can happen.
1: Tell my husband I'm not surprised. Tell my wife if she has a problem with my work schedule, she's more than welcome to get a job of her own. Tell
0: my husband that I do just
1: as much work as he does. Tell my wife that if watching Ellen is a job, she should get a promotion. Message from your husband. I appreciate you.
0: What did he actually say?
1: Please don't drag me into this.
0: Siri, call my husband. Siri, ignore the call. Tell my husband that he said he'd respect my choice to stay at home with our child. Tell my wife I would but she can't even get around to washing
1: his overalls.
0: Did you want me to search for flower shops nearby? Tell my husband.
1: Oh, dear. Ask my husband what he means by that. Tell my wife I think she knows. Hey, look, I googled
0: anger management techniques. Tell
1: my husband to think very carefully before he says whatever he's about to say. Ask my wife. My husband, how dare he? Tell my wife that's
0: not an answer. Is this my fault? Tell my husband that I will not answer that. Ask my wife. Searching for. A place to hide. Tell my husband what to. Tell him. Please don't make me. Do
1: it. Send my wife directions. Yeah!
0: So we go from opening to that. How do we get there? It's when there are expectations, a lot of it, that are never clarified, that are never communicated. I said earlier, you know, um, you can have plans for the evening. And you're driving home, and you're thinking, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to watch a movie or whatever. And then your spouse can have other plans. Let's go look for that couch we've been talking about getting for the last 20 years or whatever. And both are valid. Both are great. Both are fine. And you walk in the door, and expectations are different, and then a rub starts and if that's not adjusted not talked about then there can become distance and difficulty and it just starts to starts to fester so when you and I think about uh, all of uh, life, we need to get those expectations on the table. And Paul, as he's addressing what it's like to be married and to even have relationships with just anybody, that this expectation and then we're going to see this idea of submission, how that uh, uh, plays into, plays into uh, account. Now, now, one thing that I've, I've got to settle, and, and you, can, you can think about this on your own, But really, in every society that moves towards a Christ-centered worldview, women and children do better. Now, you may disagree with me, but I I challenge you. I'm not going to go through and give you history example after history example. But if you look at the movements in history, when it's truly Christ-centered, Not dressed up religion that's a power play, okay? I'm not saying that. But when it truly is Christ-centered, following Christ, having that mentality, that worldview, that heart show up in all of life, then it gets better for women and children. If you go back and look at the Roman Empire, you will see that there's a switch when Christianity gains traction and starts changing the world education system uh, the value of women the value of children and you see as we step away from that and there's there's some reasons to in a sense step away because it's been misused but when when it's not misused and we step away from it things seem to go off the rails I mean, even this week, uh, there was a vote in Congress, one slide back, uh, there was a vote in Congress uh, about uh, whether a baby is in the process of being aborted and survives and is alive, whether doctors need to give that baby care. And you would think that would be a no-brainer, but I think 210 voted against it and 220 voted for it. That to me is is unbelievable, the value of a human life. So again, in every society that moves towards Christ-centeredness, the value of women and children go up. And if you are a product of experiencing an authoritative male figure in your life, that did not have kindness, that did not have Christ-centeredness, that was basically a big bully, and the church didn't speak to that, I apologize. That's that's not what we're talking here. That's not what we're talking here. When Christ-centeredness, servant leadership, then then it, it gets better. It changes all of that. So last week as we were finishing things up and we didn't finish everything, we talked about uh, submission competition, and I've rephrased it this way, households be in competition to submission. In other words, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to outdo each other with kindness and love. I told you the story about at Christmas time that my parents would put names in a hat and all that week, uh, week of Advent, uh, we would... Uh, have a name, and we were supposed to do good things for that person and not have them know. And there was a little competition going on, Uh, make their bed, empty the dishwasher, whatever their job was, we were trying to outdo the other person. And the lesson was, this is the way we're supposed to function the majority of the time. That was the lesson of that. So likewise, when you look at, when you walk in the door, when you come home, when you're in relationship with anybody... Friend, spouse, child, parent. How do you serve the other person? Not how do I get served. Changes everything. That's why we read in Ephesians 5, 21 out of the NIV, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of one another. That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the idea for the whole rest of the passage, and it gets into households. That's the starting point. It's not how am I going to get mine? How am I going to get somebody else to serve me? You know, it's this idea of submit, and I will put their needs, wants, expectations above my own. Love God, love others. This is tough. This is where our faith is the rubber that meets the road. When I put the needs of others beyond myself, and uh, you can say, you don't know my story, and I probably don't know your story. And again, this isn't about being abused emotionally or physically. This is about serving, and we should serve best at with those that are closest to us. Usually with those folks, we feel like we can we take them for granted, we can uh, cut a little slack with them. But it should start at home. And, and I'll be honest, people in my profession, pastors, are famous or infamous for serving people outside of their family, not inside their family. That's horrible. Kids grow up not feeling loved, valued, spouses. That's that's just just not not the way it's supposed to be. There was I cannot I'm not I'm losing his name right now. But there was a, a guy in the '40s who wrote a lot of good stuff, and I, and I enjoyed reading his his stuff. And uh, he died early, let's say in his '60s, and had a large family and all this. And uh, then his wife remarried, and his wife uh, they asked her how, how it was being married to somebody else besides this famous person. Sad to say, she says, well, you know, so-and-so, and and I know, loved God. But my new husband loves me. There's a little message in that. Should have been not so clear, not so stark. So submit, I will put their needs, wants, expectations above my own. We looked at, uh, we didn't get to this last week, without a Christ-like mindset, expectation will become a scorecard keeping game. It's not about, oh, how many times it went my way, how many times it went the other person's way. Now, if you have the right mindset, putting somebody else first, and all of a sudden you're getting taken advantage of, that is different. But overall, it shouldn't be this scorecard kind of a thing. You're missing out because if, Scorecards were in place, then, then Jesus wins hand over fist, if you will. And, and we, we never even come close to that. He was willing to give himself away for us. And that's our model. If you are a Christ follower, you follow Christ. I follow Christ, so I try to act like Christ. Try to follow him. Also, without a Christ-like mindset, expectations keep us from appreciation kind of like steals the thankfulness and gratefulness from our heart. That's why uh, Paul, when he's writing to the church at Philippi, in chapter 2, verses 3 and 5, he says this. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead that's completely different than a lot of the vibe we get in our society in our culture it's when you can you do push yourself up to the front do manipulate and sweet talk your way to the top put yourself aside you no know, put yourself aside and help others get ahead grew up in a Christian home, so I know how you're supposed to culturally behave, and sometimes, I remember especially, I was in my early 20s, and I was at a conference, it was a, actually, it was a meeting, it was a strategy meeting, and it was in Arizona, and we were at this Bible college, who was hosting it, because they were a part of our, our group of churches, and, uh, you know, at the, one day the, the guy who was like the, bi- the college rep said, hey, uh, tomorrow uh, night uh, we'll go into the um, storage room and we'll grab all the old T-shirts, you know, that uh, are out of circulation and we'll let you pick a couple and take a couple with you. And uh, so I was excited, you know, to get a little, um, you know, college sweat T-shirt or whatever. And I can remember going in there and uh, he laid them out on the table and there was only one that I really wanted. Growing up, I was told, you just wait and take the last one. And this time I said, you know, I'm sick of that. I'm taking the one I want. (laughs) So I just grabbed it the first. The minute he said, go, I grabbed the one I wanted. I didn't let anyone. And afterwards I said, that I just that was that was just that was the real Dave Spencer heart coming through in those moments. All those other times I wanted people to I wanted to do that, but I didn't because I didn't dare to do it. This time I dared to do it and I felt like garbage. Put others first. Submit to one another. Help others get ahead. As your relationships grow, this should just be organic and natural. Maybe it starts out formally. You've got to say, this is the way I've got to behave. I've got to let my heart catch up with my actions. But eventually, it becomes who you are. Verse says, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. It doesn't mean you totally forget about yourself. It means... Put others first. Don't always think of yourself first. I love how this understands you need to be aware of what's going on in your life. But forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. And if you move on the rest of that passage, you're going to see how Jesus left heaven to be born in a little manger. To give his life for us so that we could have a relationship with God through him. We get a forgiveness of sin. That he would be resurrected and we could have that promise for ourselves. So think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Thinks of himself. The most powerful principle in any marriage or friendship is mutual submission. That is powerful. That is a demonstration of love. When you don't take it for yourself, whatever that may be, maybe it's a conversation. Maybe you are good at conversations and can tell stories, and this is sometimes where I have to be careful. You can one-up somebody with a better story. Someone's talking about it. And you go in the back of my mind, ooh, I know a better story than this. And the minute they take a breath of air to stop telling their story, you're like, well, hey, this happened to me. And then your story is in the center. Maybe it's a skill. This doesn't mean being sloppy, but uh, maybe it's a sports thing, and you let somebody else get the, get the upper hand. You let them have it, have the you know the, the center stage for a little while. You have power; they don't. You have more power. You 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 let them exercise that. The only place I refuse to do this is in checkers. So if um, I'm playing checkers, even when the girls were little, I would win. Even if anyway, but uh, so it's terrible. I know, but uh, they would. I'd come home from a date with one of the girls and see well, what happened. Oh, we played checkers and and Dad won all the games. Eventually, the girls started winning, but that was because they really were winning. So, but anyway, this idea of mutual submission changes everything walking in the door saying how can i serve the other person how can i serve my family how can i serve my friend uh, changes everything and it represents the christ you follow if you're not a christ follower you're not bound by any of this if you're just checking the, kicking the tires you're not bound by this as a christ follower you and i are bound by this This is our marching orders. So now we get into Paul starts off with submit to one another. And then boy, oh boy, buckle up. He talks about wives submit to their husbands. And we see wives, this is really going to unpack this. Wives, invite your husbands to lead. And again, this is part one of part two. So when we're done today, what about this? What about this? That's next week, okay? Invite your husbands to lead. Verse 22 said, Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. So there are days where I'm sure Cindy's saying, This is a Jesus moment. I'm supporting Jesus, not Dave. Okay? Probably she does that more often than she's so good at it. I don't even know when she's doing it. But uh, support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does his church. Hear this next one. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. That changes everything. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. What if my husband's not up for the, the task? We'll talk about that. Now, submit is a military term, which means to submit your agenda to the greater whole the way they would arrange the troops under the commander of a leader. And we're going to see that as you unpack this, it's pretty stereotypical in some ways. so forgive me for that. But there is this piece where men want to lead. And to allow them to set a Christ-centered tone is what we're talking about. And, and, you know, it's easy for me to say because I'm a guy, but if, if, if I wasn't a guy, I, I would, you know, I'd want my husband, if my husband was, was following Christ's lead, not as a manipulation play, not as a game, not as a, to get their own way, but if they really were following Christ and they owned that, then it would be just a little bit easy to, easier to submit to their leadership. It's the same thing you discover your relationship with Christ. The longer I know Christ, the longer I follow God, I discover that he really does have my best interests at heart. So when I started this journey and I go, I don't know about that. That doesn't seem to make sense to me, Lord. I don't know if I want to really do that. And I turned out that, wow, I can trust Jesus. He he really does have my best interests. He's the son of God. He is God. and, And he really does care for me then I could kind of loosen up the grip of my life. Some of you try, still trying to figure out how loose you can go with, with Jesus. Can you really trust him with the day-to-day operations of your life? You've trusted him with eternity. You've trusted him with your soul. But can you trust him with, with doing the right thing at work tomorrow? Can you trust him with submitting to one another, husbands and wives, families? Can, can, you, can you really, really... Do that. Verse 25, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. What did Jesus do for the church? Died for the church. Gave his life for the church. He was the leader, but some of us have watched a little bit of Chosen, and that's kind of fun to watch and kind of, you know, have an artistic, what would it have been like back then? And, you know, some of it is, you know, uh, you know, creativity license, and some of it's pretty much straight on. But can you imagine Jesus being with those guys all the time and ladies, and, 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 and he kind of had to travel at their pace to some extent, He was, in a sense, submitting to them, being a servant leader. That's what Christ did for the church. That's what you and I, men, are called to do for our wives. A love marked by giving, not getting. Submission is an invitation for someone to lead. In all situations, you give someone an opportunity to lead. Sometimes you do that when you're, you're mentoring someone and you pull back and you let them lead. I couldn't figure out how to show you these clips, uh, but there's this uh, Movie, it's a blow-up explosion b- movie called Battleship. Any of you seen that? And uh, the star guy who ends up saving the day is a super immature, self-centered guy. And towards the end of the movie, he kind of turns it around. But there's this major scene where none of the, in none of the next rank are around and he's like in command and he doesn't want to be in command and and then he's doing something brash and all the people by, oh, subordinates are trying to follow him but they're saying hey 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 this is you know there's men in the water and he's going back and forth and finally he kind of gets it together and you know there's this is an interaction with uh, uh, his girlfriend's father who's like the massive admiral kind of guy and on and on and on some of you know what I'm talking about and uh, just uh, th- there is this moment where there's sometimes you need somebody to come up to speed I remember the first church I was at, I had been the youth pastor, 22, 23. And now I was becoming the senior pastor, 29, 30. And I remember the the guy from our group of churches coming out and saying, you know, Dave is young. You got a choice. You either crush him or you let him grow with the church. Let him be 29. Let him demonstrate 29, 30-year-old decisions. Let him grow with the church. And for the most part, they, they did that for me. They let me grow with the church. They didn't give me a hard time. And uh, Cindy, now this isn't to pick on her, but she's a few years older than me. But when we got married, I was 22, and she was a couple years older than me, still in college, we met when I was 19. She was almost out of college. And I'm sure she was like, oh, my. Some of you still are like, oh, my. And, uh, you know, just imagine when it was like 35, 30 years ago. But, I, you know, she, she gave me an invitation to lead and gave me some rope, not to hang myself, but to see how it would go. And uh, there were times where she would have to be a little more like, hey, have you really looked at this? Other times just given in a slide, and then other times a little more firm. Uh, so, some of us never have had the, you know, invitation to lead. And then, and then you wonder why guys tend to be uh, disengaged, especially in the area of spirituality. If you come into a relationship and someone's like doing this in premarital counseling – and, and uh, the guy is new to the game and uh, the bride is not. There, there's this moment where the, the bride has to kind of let the groom get up to speed. But if the bride always tells the groom how oh, he doesn't really know what he's talking about in the spiritual church world, he will very quickly learn to keep his mouth shut because men don't like to be shamed. They don't like to look like idiots. And I've told you the story of the couple where in their 80s, I'm discovering this is what happened to them, and they've been married like, you know, 50, 60 years. And uh, so, so again, this idea of an invitation um, to lead. The mission means that in a draw you say, I trust you to do what is The buck has to stop with somebody, and as you learn to trust each other, husbands begin to learn to trust their wives. And there are certain circumstances, lots of circumstances, where I want to defer to Cindy and say, help me understand this. Help me underpack this. What do you think? It's not like my decision to make. It's not like me putting my foot down. Never, ever had to do that. And she's been very responsive. And she, so, so there's this idea, again, of I trust you do best. And this sometimes it somebody's got to make a decision. Somebody's got to make a decision. I'm not going to show this, uh, but uh, you've all seen enough uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. You're like, oh, I wish you'd show that clip. I'm not going to show it. But... Uh, At first you think that show's funny, unless you were, like, in that situation. You go, wait a minute, that is my family, I'm sorry. But, you know, Raymond is self-centered. And at the end, it kind of works its way out. But I would never want any of my daughters to marry a Raymond. Never want them to. Because it just would be brutal, scenario after scenario after scenario. I should have titled the sermon next week maybe, Don't Be a Raymond. <laughs> don't be a Tim the Tool Man. Don't be those guys. It's funny to watch somebody else have to live with that, but don't be that. Don't be that. Spiritual headship, and if you look at the NIV where it talks about falling lead, Christ is head of the church, his man is head of the woman, those kinds of ideas. Spiritual headship is not a license to do what, you want to do but an opportunity to do what you ought to do so when you're the person who's in the role in any relationship who's the one who has the influence the one who has the leadership whether it's husband wife whether it's parent children uh, then eventually children parent all that kind of stuff it's about what you ought to do it's not about getting it for yourself It's about doing what's right, giving it away. And when we think about all of this idea, submission is not the same as obedience. This is not saying husbands obey our wives. Yeah, husbands obey your wives. That's what it's saying. No, it's not saying uh, wives obey your husbands. It's a little different than that. It's talking about honoring their leadership, And gentlemen, we'll talk more about this next week. But be men that your women can trust. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect. But be trustworthy. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in the way that honors the master. And sometimes... It's about honoring Jesus. It's about pointing to Jesus. And again, I, you know, I, I'll, I, I'll be upset. If I hear a wife say, yeah, when we were making this decision, my, my, my husband said, hey, this is about uh, honoring Jesus. You know, you have to do what I, I'm like. I don't want to hear that. That, that. And don't don't, that's, that's stuff you're not, you don't make jokes about. Don't, don't make jokes about those kinds of things. But, but allow your husband to, to blossom into who he is. Now, it may mean you've you got to start kind of like over in some areas. And husbands, you may need to do that, that, you know, that, that. You may need to throw yourself in it. Understand your role as a husband as much as you understand your favorite hobby. If you're good at cars, be better at being a husband. If you're good at computers, be better at being a husband. Whatever you're good at, whatever that thing is, be better at being a husband. Let that be the greatest skill in your life. Not some, you know, hunting, whatever it may be. Tracking, Some I, I don't know, whatever you, oh, I'm really good at this. Let that slide a little and be better at being the husband you ought to be. So it's easier for your wives to follow your lead in honoring the master. So then a real uncomfortable question, but I would be practicing spiritual mispr- malpractice if I didn't say this, is have you invited your husband to lead? And, and what would that look like? And husband, before you bring this point home and throw it up on the bulletin board of your house and, you know, have it be the screensaver on your computer and everything, um, do you have credibility for even to ask that, to offer that to you? Where do you need to grow in that? Might start with an apology. And not just an apology, then starting to have some of the changes that make that uh, a reality. Um, some of you are familiar with uh, Timothy Keller. I've read this story before. Uh, he's the pastor of Redeem- Presbyter- Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, Manhattan, and uh, started the church maybe 30, 40 years ago. Flourished, uh, connected. No one thought you could start a church there. And uh, his wife, Kathy, and he. And uh, this is just a little bit of a story. In the late 1980s, our family was comfortably situated in the very livable suburb of Philadelphia where Tim held a full-time position as a professor. Then he got an offer to move to New York City to plant a new church. He was excited about the idea, but I was appalled. Raising our three wild boys in Manhattan was unthinkable. Not only that, but almost no one knew anything about Manhattan, any, almost anyone who knew anything about Manhattan thought the project would not be successful. I also knew that this would not be something that Tim would be able to do as a nine to five job. It would absorb the whole family and nearly all of our time. It was clear to me that Tim wanted to take the call, but I had serious doubts that it was the right choice. I expressed my strong doubts to Tim, who responded, well, if you don't want to go, then we won't go. However, I replied, oh no, you don't. You're putting this decision on me. That's abdication. If you think this is the right thing to do, then exercise your leadership and make the choice. It's your job to break this log jam. It's my job to wrestle with God until I can fully support your call. Tim made the decision to come to New York City and plant Redeemer Presbyterian Church. The whole family, my sons included, considered it one of the most truly manly things he ever did. Because he was quite scared, but he felt a call from God. At that point, Tim and I were both submitting to the roles that were not perfect that we were not perfectly comfortable with. But it is clear that God worked in us and through us when we accepted our general role as gift from the designers of our hearts. Wives, if you want an engaged husband, a husband that shows up more in family life, marriage, then invite him to lead. And when you get that invitation, you better take that as a sacred, sacred gift sacred gift, a special gift. Don't, don't squander it at all. Real quickly, let me give you just some takeaways that you can chew on all week long in your small group. Submission requires a man to be mature enough and humble enough to be a servant leader. Anything to that. Submission is an intelligent, happy, wise support for that leadership. It's engaged, it's not just falling back. Submission is a responsiveness to his initiative taking, which is not comprehensive control, but involves you in the planning of family life. Doesn't mean he's large and in charge. And again, if he's mature enough, this will start to work its way out. Submission means that in a draw you say, I trust you to do what is best. A few examples of that where where Cindy and I in our relationship, there was it was a draw. And she said, All right, she didn't say it in those words, but I I will trust you with this. And a little bit like Tim Keller, I almost wanted to let it slide to her and say, You make the decision. If you don't think it's a good idea, whoo. It's almost like, you know, if you go back to Genesis and watch Adam and Eve and Everyone gets on Eve's case, but it seems like Adam was, like, standing right behind Eve and didn't say anything. Didn't say, hey, don't do that. Didn't say, didn't even, didn't say anything. Men, it's easy to be that kind of man. Let's, let's not be that. Lastly, submission ultimately means submission to Jesus. So that you never follow your husband into sin. It never includes physical or emotional abuse. And I'm absolutely serious about that. Never includes that. And if you ever find yourself in a relationship, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, married. And there's physical and emotional abuse get out get away from that don't put yourself or your family at risk unacceptable unacceptable and men unacceptable i, I can because f- i've i've walked through enough of the, i i feel myself getting angry thinking about that so happy now <laughs> Bottom line, when you get the real him, you get the real him. When you get the real him, who he's supposed to be, give him some room to be who he's supposed to be, make sure he's following Christ. Uh, You know, if you're not married, don't wait for these things to kind of like, oh, we'll get married, then he'll kind of come into line with it. Wait. Wait, let him get these things in order first and then marry the guy. But when you get the real him, you get the real him. And then you actually get someone who's engaged, who loves you, loves the family the way Jesus loves the church. And there's nothing as good as that. And again, if you're... Not married and you go, oh, there's another marriage seminar or sermon or 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 you know you've lost your spouse recently and this hurts. I, you know, that's not the intent. You probably could share some of these things yourself from your own personal experience. Or you know, you've given up on marriage. All these things have, have nuances and flavors into all of your relationships. The people around you, you ought to understand who they are then you can really have a, a true relationship, friendship with that person. But when it comes to wives and it comes to husbands, when you get the real him, you get the real him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. We're thankful for the way it really actually applies to real life, even these thousands of years later. Father, I just ask that you would help us to digest and see how our life can integrate these uh, principles. Some of us have to almost start at bare metal and start working our way up. Uh, Some of us are halfway there. Some of us, our starting point is, is farther along, but we still need to think about these ideas and take the next step. None of us, none of us have arrived, and we thank you for your grace and compassion towards us. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name.